from Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's time for the Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at gospelmailbox.org. And now for today's lesson, here's Donnie Bryson. Welcome to another treatment of the International Sunday School lesson. Today's lesson is entitled, David Anointed as King. And it's taken from 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 13. And it's for October the 30th, 2022, fall quarter, lesson number 9. Now, a little background information. Today's story is, of course, about David being anointed as king. And we know that David was not the first king of Israel. Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul had started his kingship out with a good start. But he had became very proud and arrogant. And then he became disobedient to God's command. You remember the story of of he was supposed to go and attack these particular people. He was supposed to demolish everything, and he did not do that. He was disobedient to God's command. And Samuel came and rebuked Saul about it. And it's really important when you read the story that you pick up on the fact that Samuel was more concerned about the elders who were there at that confrontation between him and Samuel. He was more concerned that the elders saw Samuel offering sacrifices and interacting positively with Saul than he was concerned about the fact that he had disobeyed God and the kingship was going to be taken away from him. But he was also, Saul was talked, told that his line would not be forever. And that was passed on to the other folks in Saul's family. And that's one of the reasons why the interaction between Jonathan and David makes so much sense when we realize that Jonathan knew that his father's line was not going to continue on. And that is um, one of the things that, that is important to understand with that interaction between Jonathan and David. Now, 1 Samuel 15 and 22 says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen 
than the fat of rams. Because if you remember back where Saul had tried to pawn off his disobedience as a way for him to get more sacrifices for the Lord. And Samuel was saying, obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay? Now, this thing about David, uh, the book of Psalms says, in Psalm 78, 70 through 72, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. So we hear from the book of Psalms how David had been such a good king and had lived up to his anointing. Okay? 1 Samuel 16, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I want to quote maybe an extended quote from the pulpit commentary. The grief of Samuel was prolonged almost to a sinful extent, nor can we wonder at it. We who see Saul's whole career and know how deeply he fell are in danger of discrediting his high qualities. But those were witnesses of his military skill and prowess and saw him and his heroic son raising the nation among its feebleness and thraldom to might and empire must have given him an ungrudging admiration. So what that's saying there is that as we look from our time period and look back over the time period of Saul, it is easy for us to only think of his insanity and his failings. But the people who lived through his entire reign, they had lived through the fact that him and his son Jonathan had fought vigorously and had raised the people up. They were in thraldom. In other words, they were in slavery. That's what that word means. They were enslaved to the Philistines. And uh, Saul and his um, son strengthened the children of Israel and had really uh, 
brought them up out of slavery. And so there was a lot of admiration for Saul. And Samuel was one of those people who had such great admiration for Saul after he'd seen all the positive things that Saul had done. And he was grieving over the fact that Saul had had this failing and that he was going to be rejected as the king. And he was grieving over it. And the Lord God rebuked Samuel and said, go out and get this thing started. It's time to uh, anoint a new king. It's time for you to know who I've picked for the next king of Israel. It's time to get this thing in motion. And that's what uh, these two verses are talking about. And also, too, it's important for us to realize, see, Saul had already been told, as I said in the in the background section, Saul had already been told that he was going to be rejected. And he knew that there was going to be a different king and it wasn't going to be his children. Okay? So Samuel knew that Saul knew that. Samuel knew that the personality change from that humble, tall lad who was hiding among the baggage originally had turned into this very arrogant, power-loving individual. And Samuel knew that if Saul knew that he was going to be anointing a new king, the likelihood was that that Saul was going to try to execute Samuel. And so he told the Lord that. And the Lord God said, that's okay. Take you a sacrifice and tell everybody you're going off to sacrifice to the Lord and go ahead and do it. And that will be an excuse for why you're going to this different area. Now, 1 Samuel 16 and 3, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. Now, this wasn't just a sacrifice of come out to this altar that we're going to build and we're going to sacrifice this, make this sacrifice. This was, this word in the original is zebok, and it means a sacrifice followed by a feast, uh, which all the elders in the town would come to it. It, would, it was going to be a very big deal. It was not like a very private um interaction between Samuel and God. It was a public festivity. 1 Samuel 16, 4 and 5. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city 
came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, it may seem a little odd to us that these rulers and the elders of the city were so scared that Samuel came to their city. But let's listen to what the preacher's homiletical says. And this, I'm going to quote, quote it directly. The elders trembled, etc. The anxious inquiry of the elders presupposes that even in the time of Saul, the prophet Samuel was frequently in the habit of coming unexpectedly to one place and another for the purposes of reproving and punishing wrongdoing and sin. So, in other words, Samuel was still functioning as a judge even in the time of King Saul. And they were afraid, well, we've messed up. Samuel's here. We're going to get punished for something. He's going to call down fire from heaven on us because we've done something wrong. And they were afraid. And that's what the question was. Do you come peaceably? First Samuel 16, 6 and 7. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, I want us to really stop and, and this, make this one of the more important points in this Sunday School lesson. People look on the outside. People look on how much money someone has, how their prominence in the, in the uh, neighborhood, how pretty they are, how to distinguish they look, but God looks on the heart. The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 31 and 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. First Peter 3 3 and 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the unperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Be concerned about what's on the inside because that's where God looks at is that 
inward beauty. And I tell you something, when you're going to look for a mate, you remember that. You remember what the book of Proverbs says. You young people, when you go to look for a mate, make sure you're getting a good person. Because I'm telling you something, beauty is fleeting. But goodness makes all the difference. 1 Samuel 16, 8 and 10. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. The Lord has not chosen these. All of David's older brothers passed by. The only one left who hadn't passed by was David. And it's even the one who is not mentioned in the other uh, listing of, of, of Jesse's sons. It, that there's a lot of conjecture that there's one of them who possibly died right after this encounter uh, because he's not mentioned later in the other sections of Scripture. And he was brought before Samuel, but not David, not the one that the Lord had actually selected. 1 Samuel 16 and 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Now, like I said, even the obscure son was brought before Samuel. David was the only one that wasn't brought before Samuel. 16, 12, and 3. And he sent and brought him in. Now, he was Rudy and beautiful eyes and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that, David, that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So we see a couple of things here that we want to really make note of. First off, is that David was brought in and was found working. That is what David was doing. He was 
performing his job. And when we are found, may we all be found working, not sitting around doing nothing, waiting for something to happen, but actually doing something. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. We need to be out there doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, in another section of scripture, David more or less outlined how his time in the field was being spent. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there were came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, David, go and the Lord be with you. So we see here how David had gotten the experience for all the hard times he's going to be experiencing. Okay. And how that David had already learned to trust in the Lord. And that's the reason why when we are found, don't be found on the stool of do nothing, but be found working for the Lord and learning and growing. Now, I have a couple of concluding thoughts that I want to leave us with, all of us, myself included. First off, as I had said just a few minutes ago, be found working. Don't be found not doing nothing, waiting for something to happen, but be found working. If you can't pastor a church yet, be found teaching the Sunday school class, visiting the sick, okay? Second thing I want us to be reminded of is don't look on the outside when you're evaluating people and and that kind of thing. Uh, pray for God's wisdom so you can uh, look on the inside. And the third thing is don't be like Saul and get confused about obedience is better than sacrifice. Uh, you can throw money in that plate to your blue in the face, but if you're not obeying God, it's not going to do any good. Okay? Well, friends, good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next weekend. 
You have been listening to The Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at thegospelmailbox.org. 